this is a significant time, isn't it? A new year. It says in uh, Genesis 1.14, God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them mark off the seasons and the days and the years. So I believe this is really significant, a brand new year starting today. Seems like it's just another day, but it isn't in God's eyes, and it shouldn't be in ours. Uh, I want to go out here real quick. I want to find somebody I've never met. Somebody I've never met. Raise your hand if you're like a guest here. I'm only going to ask you a couple really easy questions. Or I've never met you before. I've met everybody? Oh my, that's way back there. Somebody up close that I've never met. Okay, hi. Nice to meet you. My name's Kenny. What's your name? I'm Cecil. Cecil. Now give me just an estimate of in the range of 10 years how old you are. Like 50s, 40s? Mid 50s. 50s. All right. So you've had quite a life. Where were you born at? Glendive, Montana. Glendive? Glen, Glendive. Glendive, Montana. All right. Let's give him a big hand today. Here's the thing. Between me and him, we've had quite a story, our lifeline of our life. Isn't that right? I mean, I don't know your story, but something, there's been amazing things that have happened. And yeah, to bring you to this point right here on this ground today, and I just met you and shook your hand. And my story has been a whole different one. And God's brought us together today right now. Isn't it amazing? How many of you like, uh, like to watch people, like your people watchers? Just confess it. Yeah. And there's no place better than like an international airport, right? Man, you see everybody from all over the world at one of those places. But it's amazing when you, you think about our lives. Let's think a little further back than just Cecil, right? And I. Let's think back to Noah. We should all thank Noah every day because he was one righteous man that saved us all from never existing. So we should really thank him for living for God. But just think about you and me and how we got here today to this spot. Think about all the sword fights down through history. We're thinking of our genes, okay? We're thinking of it passing on and finally us existing. But think about our ancestors, the narrow escapes at sea that some of them went through. The sword fights that they barely won, you know, or got out of. Uh, and probably this one's a big one, near starvations, you know, because <laughs> that happened a lot. Diseases, wiping out the bubonic plague. Maybe my ancestors barely made it through that. You know, or someone that was carrying my seed made it through that. And then you got the final big one. The whole state of California is in a sprint. 39 million sperm sprinting up, and one of them makes it, and that was you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're pretty fast. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And God brought us all here today with a purpose. You are designed and you are alive for a purpose today. Your purpose is greater than what you might think it is. And uh, I feel like the guys on the road to Emmaus, uh, when pastor asked me if I'd speak this day, I knew it was going to be a tough day for me for some reasons that I'll get into. But, but God started burning uh, a message in my soul. And it's like those guys on the road to Emmaus. Didn't it burn within, within us when he spoke to us? So I really feel it burning today. The title's a little funny, though. God Wants to Ruin Our Lives This Year. It's an interesting title. But I believe God has a New Year's revelation for all of us. And we're going to read it, and we're going to find some, dig some truths out of Psalm 63 today. So if you put that up, I want us just to all read together Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Just read it with me. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. 
Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will praise him while liars will be silenced. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for that song just now. My soul longs for you. And God, really, that's what we want to do this year. Just have a longing in our hearts for you. God, in some way, would you speak through me today and just penetrate our hearts. God, get us ready for this year. We thank you so much. Amen. First part of this I see is that to having our lives ruined is understanding God's love for us is the first step in ruining our lives. If you look back at that psalm and listen to these words, my soul thirsts, my body longs, you satisfy me. I cling to you. I lie awake thinking of you. It's kind of almost embarrassing. I mean, some of it's like, it's like really deep, intimate stuff that you're reading about. And for some of us, maybe it goes past your comfort zone with God. Like, wow, that's kind of carrying it a little overboard there for the Lord. But uh, I believe that our relationship with God is supposed to be more than just friendship. It's supposed to be a romance. These are kind of romance sayings. I long for you. I yearn for you. It's supposed to be something like that. Now, girls, you have a tough in the Bible because it's always talking about mankind and he and all of that. Guys, we have it tough too because it says we're the bride of Christ. And that's kind of a tough one to get over because maybe you're not the most romantic person. But God is calling us as bride to have a romance with him. I love the Westminster Short Catechism. I used to not like it. It kind of puzzled me. But here's how it goes. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, it used to puzzle me. It's like a puzzling phrase. It's kind of like, well, I need, to, I need to love God. I need to serve God. I need to work for God. But enjoy God forever. Like, hmm, that's kind of a twisted thing. It's kind of upside down. But, but then we realize that everything in God's kingdom is upside down, right? It's different. And you read it, and then you turn it around and go, oh, that's how it really means. It's upside down. And so it really is a pivoting point. That we have to understand to enjoy God forever. We've got to understand how much he loves us. And it's really something that's easy to say, but it's really something that's just the ground works for serving God. It's understanding his love for us. It says in the word, this is love, not that we love God. The definition of love in the dictionary should be this. God loves us. It's not that we love him. Read again with me, verse 1. It says this, O God, you are my God. I want you to emphasize that. Say it. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. I see this first part. It says, Oh God, you are my God. It's the impersonal God. Oh God, becoming the personal God. Abba, Papa, Daddy. Oh God, you are my God. And when we have an encounter with his presence, that's what happens with that. David's passion for God rose out of his understanding of God's passion for him. We got to, we turn it around too many times where we're striving and trying to love God. And we got to first understand God's love for us. 
his great passion for us. Yesterday uh, was a tough day. We smiled through the tears, but we said goodbye to our son, our firstborn son, David. That's why I knew it was going to be tough today. But I, I think, I know that it's God's will that I speak. But in my heart, there's just this, you know, heavy ache. He's going to be gone to Australia for a whole year. We won't see him for a year. And we send him out knowing that he's answering God's call. But as the papa, <laughs> as the daddy, I mean, it, with all of our kids, it's going to be just as hard. Jonathan's probably going to go to YWAM in April or May over in Europe. I'm going to be doing that again at the airport. Ugh. But your heart, my heart is so heavy. If you have kids, if you ever say goodbye to them, your heart, I mean, just all week it felt every day like somebody added 10 more pounds to my back <laughs> until by Saturday. It's like, oh, because I just love him so much. And I just hugged him and tried to memorize how it felt to hug my son because I knew I wouldn't get to do it for a year. My thoughts are turning to him today. I got my phone ready because he's going to Skype us when he gets to, to Sydney. And my phone's ready for that tone. Ding, ding. If it happens during the service, I'm sorry, we're done. No. <laughs> I'll talk to him later. But I long for him. And just think, I'm just an earthly dad. I'm just an earthly father. And just think, times that times a million, how much you can capture today from me, hopefully, from these tears that are probably going to flow the whole service, how much your heavenly father loves you with that kind of love and longing for you today. He's drawing you in. He's pulling you in to his arms. Psalm 139 says of God's passion for us, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them up, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you, which means that he's with us all through the night as well. He's gazing on us. One way that I've been ruined by God lately is I'm really starting to understand the depths of his love for me. That's the first thing that needs to happen for God to ruin your life, to understand the depths of his love. Sylvia Plath said, once one has seen God, what is the remedy? What is the remedy? It says later in that verse, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Now, how many remember this, if you have kids, or if you were a kid, but when you went to the park, uh, man, when our kids were young, you know, it was always fun to go down to the park here in Tualatin somewhere, and you just let them loose. It's kind of a good time for the parents, too, because you can maybe read one page in a book, you know. But you remember that moment when you're, like, wanting to get their attention. You just love them. You're your parent. They're, you know, you're their parents, and you just kind of want to see them look at you. And you just wait, and they're on the slide, and they're going down, and they kind of look your direction. You're like, oh, oh. And they don't look, and then they go off and play, and then they, you know, and then finally, especially Jonathan, our second-born son, he would, every once in a while, when he's playing soccer or something, we'd be there, and, and he'd look over and go, you know? And it was like payday. It's like the payoff for being a dad or a mom is when the kids finally see you, right? When they look at you, and they finally see you, uh, I just want to tell you today that God is gazing at you. He is looking at you, and he's longing for you to go, ah, Papa, to look up, to see him. He longs for you. It says, the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the earth to strengthen those who, whose hearts are his. Let me tell you one thing in the airport yesterday. We got there, and there's a huge crowd 
getting ready to go places. I don't know if all the planes for United left at the same time, but there was hundreds of people. But as you went through, you've seen this with your kids. We just, oh, I see part of his head. You know, oh, oh, he's taking everything off to go through the thing. Oh, there he is. Oh, he's back on the other side. One last view, and then David turned around with a one payday, you know. Did one big wave as he went out of sight. That's how it is with God. He's just looking. He's watching out. And when you look back and see him, watch out. When you see his gaze, when you begin to understand how much he loves you, it's going to ruin your life. It's going to ruin your life for being who you are. Newton's law of motion says this, every action has an equal or greater reaction. Let's put that spiritually. When we encounter God, he moves in our lives. And this causes us to do what? We want more of him. So we come back and we encounter him. And he encounters us. And there's a greater, equal or greater reaction. It just keeps building, keeps building, keeps building in our lives. That's what I've been going through lately. Uh, It's been a long journey, but God's been really revealing himself to me. And I think that's the turnaround part with David. Because of the longing in his heart and things, it started with him understanding God's love. I just have to believe, as a fellow music person, as David in the Bible, was that he was sitting out there in the backside of the desert and God was revealing himself to him. You can't read the Psalms and not believe that. And so David had this deep love for God because he understood God's love for him. And that's been happening to me lately. I realized, I look at my life and as a pastor and as a Christian for many years, it just I was not longing for God like I should have. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was satisfied way too quickly in his presence. I would get moved a little bit and then I would be done and go on with my day. I was okay where I was with my walk with him. I was feeling real comfortable with it. But there was something I couldn't put a finger on, and maybe you're there today. You can't put a finger on it, but there's some place where you stop God. When he's revealing or when he's moving in you, you stop at some point. You can't put your finger on it, but there's a wall up there from yielding to God's spirit completely, and you just stop short, and you're like, I'm not comfortable going there. God wants to break through that with his love today. I would stop the tears. I would quench his spirit. I didn't ever let myself go too far with God. I heard his voice, but I wasn't quick to obey him. And in some sense, it's almost like I was controlling what God, what he wanted to do in my life. I set up limits for him, and I said, you can go there, but don't go any farther. You know, if I just knew statistics about my wife, they wouldn't lead me to having a passion for her. Trisha, why don't you stand for a moment? <laughs> she, that's my wife. Some of you don't know our wives all that well. <laughs> okay, you can sit down. <laughs> if I just knew, her name's Trisha Lawson. Oh. She's born in Joplin, Missouri. Oh. <sighs> she has A positive blood. Mm, cool. That's great. That wouldn't lead to much passion. Let me tell you, when I met her, Right after I met her, that was not enough anymore. You know what that means? Guys, you understand that with your wife? Once you met her, that was not enough. Had to go further. Then we became friends. Soon, that's not enough. I just, I'm starting to love this girl. Then I started hearing myself say, I love you all the time to her. She never said it back for a long time. Trish, she played really hard to get. Ladies, young ladies, go learn from my wife how to play hard to get. I was desperate for her to say, I love you back. She would say, Jesus loves you lots. I'd go, I know. 
I already know Jesus loves me, but I want you to say it. But I remember, I'll never forget the day she finally did. It's one of those moments where my legs went numb. I almost passed out. And I could feel the Tweety Birds from the Disney movies up above. It was crazy. I mean, I did almost pass out. She finally said, I love you, Kenny. Because I knew she'd already told me she'll never say I love you to anyone again until she marries them. They're going to be her. So I was like, I'm in. (laughs) When she finally said it, it's the same with God. I think if we just know statistics about him and we just know all these things, he's tired of that. He wants... He wants a living, real relationship with you this year. He wants to ruin your life this year. He wants to so passionately love you that you will be sidetracked. Even at work, your mind will start turning to him. When you're driving, that's later in my notes. I better stop. But man, uh, let me tell you this. And Pastor Stan already said this once. But there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more. Can you get that in your mind? Can we get that in? Can we let that sink in? And there's nothing we can do that will make God love us less. Now, it's true that, let me clarify that. Sadly, we can be separated by God from our, by our choices. But it's, God still loves you. God still passionately loves you. The re- result of this new revelation of his love to me has been, I've, I've decided to allow God free access in my life. Free, complete access to me. I'm going to yield to the Holy Spirit no matter what, no matter what others might think about it. I'm going to yield to him. And I'm going to start, it's snowballing in me. I'm just starting to desire, just spend time with God. Not just always laid out in an outline, but just to hang out in his presence. Just craving for him. I've decided right now on this new year, would you join me? I'm deciding to not control what the Lord wants to do through me and in me but I'm going to be completely be obedient. I heard recently someone said that in the East, Christians in the East said this, humans in the West, when you hear God speak, you take a long time to obey. Long time from when he speak, you obey. Way over here. We in the East, he speak, we obey. He speak, we obey. He speak, we obey. And that's what I'm yearning for. That's what I want in my life as I begin to understand how much he loves me. I just want to be quick, ready obedience. My second point here today is his better than life life leaves mine in ruins. My life is in ruins, and I like it there, and I want it to be there. I want to keep my life in ruins for him. Read verse 4 through 8. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. When we allow the Lord access into our lives, we can see in these areas, I believe there's a few right here I'm just going to highlight real quick. Number four, I praise you as long as I live. An unquenchable passion for praise and worship begins to rise up in our lives. As we understand his love for us, we want to return it to him. Unquenchable. Let me tell you what's happening with me. When I get in the car now, I used to love to listen to Rush Limbaugh on radio and all that. But there's just this new love. I just, I just want to worship God. I just want to worship him while I'm driving along. And he's here to ruin you this year from talk radio. He's here to ruin your life from just getting in the car and flipping on the radio and wasting all of that time listening to a couple songs you already know. And they are meaningless, most of them. He wants to meet with you everywhere you're at. He wants to ruin your life 
this year. The second one is lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Uh, it's beginning to not matter what people think. I mean, when I, I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to worship God. I am going to satisfy him more than other people. Your outward expression to your father begins to be so passionate in you, you find yourself getting lost in his presence. The third one is verse 5. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. How many had rich feasts over the holidays? They say you gain eight pounds during the holidays. And probably, yeah, as Stan was showing, it takes a long time to work it off. But, uh, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Stan was talking about, not showing. <laughs> Come on up here, brother. No, <laughs> God begins to satisfy that desire in us. I, I mean, I'm an Oregon Duck fan. I have, even though I never ordered, <laughs> even though I was rooting on Oregon State last night in basketball, unfortunately they still lost. Uh, I thought if a Duck fan started rooting for him, they might, no. I still enjoy this thing. I'm not saying I don't enjoy sports. I'm a huge duck fan. I will be glued to my TV tomorrow. But what I'm saying is this year, what God wants to do, once you get a glimpse of him, the deeper passion for God, other things just, you know, my golf handicap, who cares? It's never going to be that great anyway. You know, uh, the ducks, if they win, cool. If they lose, no problem. Dallas Cowboys, they're going to probably lose anyway. So I'm just telling you, Verse 6 says this, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. You begin to find, we begin to find that as we fall in love with this God that passionately loves us, that these things lose their level of importance. That hobby, that thing you've just been running after and is just the passion of your life, begins to fade in the background because God, once again, becomes a passion. You begin to see your papa, daddy, God, that he's gazing at you, that he loves you. And this is the year for all of you. This is the year for all of us to begin to look and to see that gaze and that the things of this life would become less, that he could become more. Real quickly, the third part, God wants to ruin your enemies, but in a different way than you might think. It says, but those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will praise him, while liars will be silenced. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when our babies were born, we became very protective. Right when they were born, I'd say, I would die for that child. I would kill anyone who would try to, you know, church was like, honey, no one's trying to take your babies. So, I know, but I would kill them if they did. I'm... But God is very protective of us. More than that, even. God sounds about like you and me, probably even more. He listen to these words. They will come to ruin. They will go down to the depths. They will die by the sword. They will become the food of jackals. That's pretty disgusting. They will be silenced. Zechariah 2.8, I love this verse. And especially last week, Stan talked about my eye, and you probably saw it. I, had, I ran and I met a branch last week, and it won. Uh, Zechariah 2.8 says, Whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. If you've ever had the apple of your eye poked, it gets your attention, right? It's not going to be poked and like you're just going on with your conversation on the phone. Or poked and you just, you know, you go on walking. No. What happens? Ah! That's what happens with God when the enemy, when the enemies of our life touch us. Whoever touches you, oh, 
they touch the apple of my eye. I want you to know today that you are God's prized possession. We come full circle back to the meaning of your life and my life. We are here with a purpose. We're put possibly at the end of the race to run the last sprint. You are here for a purpose. To find your purpose, first thing you got to do is understand God's love for you. I think my answer for the new year for all of us, for 2012, this New Year's Day, is to let God ruin our life. We do that through having an encounter with the living God. If you, if you heard the song they were singing, my soul longs for you. My soul longs for you. So how do we get past? You say, yeah, I got a lot of things in my life. Just can't get past. It's really pretty simple in one way is to just begin to say, my soul longs for you. My soul longs for you. Just begin to worship God. Begin to come into his presence. Begin to allow him time in your day and your life. Let him work on those things. He can work on them better than, than any counselor. Counselors are amazing. We've had them in our life that have really, really helped us. Let him be that other counselor, that one that works along with them or works in your life to heal you.